fresh from the beach while playing a round of speed chess with death, it's the Digigods. And now please welcome two guys who prefer their seventh sign from the next page that I haven't gotten to yet. That was brought to you by Wade Page Break Major. So uh, that's an outtake. We're, we're using some of Corey's outtakes now. That was originally a, uh, an intro sent in by Mario Mendez. Thank you, Mario. But uh, Corey, on our, our first, <laughs> first attempt, that he flubbed it because uh, he, he wasn't looking ahead. I'd, I'd printed them all out, and he didn't. I guess I didn't put it all on one page. So anyway, thought that was a little, a little funny tidbit. Uh, outtake, Corey. Thank you, Corey. You're, you make, uh, even outtakes, you make them golden. Uh, so, uh, yes, Mark, Mark, do you have? Are you are you getting a are you getting a sense? By the way, next week our, our big Halloween show. Whoa! We're doing, yeah, hey, we, got, we got, got a whole Halloween deal next week, so we're gonna get all spooky, spooky. Uh, but uh, are you getting are you getting a, a feeling yet that the, 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 the what's in the in the ether as far as Oscars are concerned? Are you starting to kind of smell anything out? Anything uh, falling by the I, wayside? You know what? I think um, I, th- I think Pan. <laughs> Boy, that crashed and burned. Man, that was unbelievable. And The Martian, who saw that, like, hanging out as long as it I know. Has? You know what? I'm happy for it. Yeah, I am, too. I, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but... Uh, love, the, uh, love the artwork that, uh, that was posted to the uh, to Facebook page, the, you know, the Matt Damon uh, Team America <laughs> joke. That was really funny. And you know what? I was sent the Team America Blu-ray by yes. a beloved... Listener mm-hmm. of this show. Yes, well, it's awesome. Interesting how that dovetails with today's show. Uh oh, are you saying that there's? We'll stuff see. And junk? We'll see. Anyway, uh, by the way, we have not answered your question. About yes, what, about so what we think is going on in yes. terms of in terms of the Academy Award. Have you seen anything that you feel is a best picture contender? Well, it seems like here's the thing. I think people thought Black Mass would maybe be up there, but I think Black Mass is just not happening. You know, I have a Black Mass actually, right. Kind of un- in my... In, you know. in your pants! Okay, here's, no. here, here's what I think. It wasn't black. It was sort of greenish yesterday, but it's black today. You may want to get that uh, checked out. Yeah. Uh, black Mass not happening. I don't think Bridge of Spies is going to be that kind of a movie. It I feels th- like it feels like uh, filler Spielberg. Yes. Doesn't it? It does. Like filler Spielberg, filler uh, Tom Hanks. Like It's like the... the the, uh, the, 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 their other thing, the, the Italian guy in the airport, that damn thing. Catch the, me if you can? Not catch oh, me if you tr- can. Oh, the, the terminal. terminal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a wheel spinning Spielberg yeah. until yeah. the next big thing. Yeah. Uh, Carol's probably going to get a lot of attention. Carol. Carol's going to get a ton of attention. I'm curious about Joy because, you yeah. know, David O. Russell and. Uh, and I've heard there's a is... chance that every movie nominated for Best Picture this year might be, named, might be a woman's name. <laughs> We've certainly That's got true. two. Yeah. That's true. So Joy, we'll see. That one's kind of a... Joy yeah. looks is a great story. It looks like a lot of fun. I know. And, and the Academy loves uh, David, uh, David Russell and Jennifer Lawrence at this point. Oh, The Revenant, we'll see. I think Steve Jobs might be up there for some acting awards, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know what the you know what the kind of the dark horse right now is Room, uh, which won the audience award to everyone's shock at, uh, at uh, Toronto. And uh, if I, that, I got the invite. I haven't seen it yet. Is it, 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 it Brie Larson, you know, finally coming of age uh, in that movie, finally kind of crawling out of the indie film basement and uh, saying, here I am, I'm just as good as Jennifer Lawrence. And in fact, she just replaced Jennifer Lawrence in a movie. Uh, what? Yeah. And uh, so she's going to get a lot of attention. She may get a nomination. And uh, I think the, um, I mean, it's the guy, the, the, you know, the director is the guy that did that big head movie. What was that thing with the... 
the, 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 the big inflatable head. Oh, is that the one where Michael Fassbender wore yeah. a head? For yeah, his, yeah, yeah, yeah it's that guy. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, Frank. It's the guy Frank. who did Frank. And, right. and I never would have seen this movie in him. And uh, it's, uh, it's A24 releasing it. A24 hits a, hits a home run with this thing. They could, they could suddenly be in Weinstein Fox, like, uh, like Fox Searchlight territory. I like it. It's a, it I have promising. seen it. I have seen it, and I think it's really good. I think it's really, really good. Um, it, it remains to be seen how it sort of plays against all these other big hitters that are going to have a lot of I mean, huge awards budgets behind them. But It feels like her previous short-term 12, where it's like this little movie that people yeah. like, but can really cut through the clutter. It, I think it can, because it's got... Um, I'm not going to tell, tell you or anyone else what the subject matter is. It's, it's really delicate subject matter. It's the, kind of, it's the kind of film where you're like, you know what, I could see that completely running aground and going just off the cliff, just being either so maudlin and melodramatic and overplayed or exploitive, or I could see it being uh, so restrained that it just, it just doesn't feel credible. I mean, it's a very, very delicate balancing act emotionally, and that's the kind of film where you don't even know if you have it if you have the performances right. I could see them just saying, I don't, you know, it, 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 you have to modulate it every step of the way in the performances and in the editing and with the scoring. Like everything has to be just so perfectly modulated for it to work emotionally. But I'll say this: there are two huge emotional moments in it, and they have to work. And if those two moments don't work, the rest of the film falls apart. And in both of those moments, I was sitting there knowing that the moment was coming. And I was thinking, okay, you're going to... Because I know this moment is coming, and I know how I have to react to this moment if this film's going to work for me. So I felt almost like a judge at an Olympic event saying, okay, impress me. And you know what? Son of a bitch, those moments worked. I sat there. I was bawling. I was crying my eyes out both times. And I was just like, okay, I, well done. You did it. You nailed it. You totally stuck the landing, both of them. And I knew it was coming, you know? And uh, he nailed it. He just, he just nailed it. And Brie Larson nailed it beautifully. Beautifully. So I'll say this. Have to Ro- check it out. Yeah. Room, definitely worth checking out. Um, definitely. I mean, you know, William H. Macy is in it for maybe five minutes. He's awesome. But he's amazing. Of course, he's great. <laughs> like, he's great. And those five minutes are spectacular. It's amazing how that guy, he just, you give him five minutes, he's like, okay, you got, basically, have, you have three scenes. You got and you got to just kill him. You just got to kill those three scenes, and he does. All right. Well, I'm, yeah. I, I'm looking at, by the way, I do have a Dark Horse Oscar Best Actor nominee. I'll Tell you in a okay. second. Dark yes. Horse. Yes. Because I may, may not happen. He'll have to knock it out of the park. Okay. Put it out there. But first, I'm looking at my uh, e- my um, email invite to room, and I've missed uh, pretty much every screening of it. But I'm sure it'll screen again. Oh yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, all the, they will send out the DVDs. You ready? Yeah. This this uh, probably never happened. Put yeah. it out there. Mm-hmm. Based only on the trailer. Yeah. Because in the trailer, I bought it. Uh, will Smith for concussion. You know he plays that Nigerian doctor. Yes. You do know that. I'm telling you. Yeah, You know the story, right? Yes. And I, I, it's I very, thought it's, he nailed the accent. He it's very did. insidery. It's basically, I mean, it's like, it's, it's very, very insidery, except instead of the tobacco companies, it's the NFL. And the NFL tried to get him to tame the, to, uh, tame the movies, uh, uh, sort of, uh, the, uh, to tame down, to tone down how aggressively they basically accuse the NFL of being a, uh, an organized crime operation that hides statistics about brain injuries. And, be, and we learned that thanks to the Sony hack. Yes. Best hack ever. Yes. But I'm saying Dark Horse, mm-hmm. possible maybe. I, I'll Will tell Smith. you. Will Smith. It, it's, it, 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 I, I could be totally with you there. I mean, he's, uh, you know, if anybody can sort of sell that accent, you would expect them to go, to go with somebody who actually has Nigerian roots, you know, like a Chiwetel Ejiofor, 
right? I mean, there are a lot of actors who, who actually have Nigerian parents, or, or you know, David Oyelowo, right? I mean, he and Chiwetel they are actually of Nigerian extraction. They I love that. They're both like they grew top, up of the, top of the food chain for me. I top love of the heap. I mean, they grew up around that accent. Will Smith didn't. So, but Will Smith can do anything. He can. He's a great actor, and he's obviously a bigger box office draw. So it's an interesting uh, roll of the dice. Yes, Wade. So there you go. So that's our uh, Oscar show. Thank you, everybody, for joining Thanks, us. Thanks. Goodbye. We'll see you, we'll next, see you next week. week. And uh, right. the is closed. All right. So uh, and watch Roger Ebert's going to sue us, and we're going to have to Aww. we're going to have to call Christy Lemire and say, Christy, would you please tell the Roger Ebert people not to sue us for using that phrase? That's what we'll have to do. I, I don't think they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> at our, at our, at our, I, I, I enjoyed that little uh, baseball face-off that you and Christy had at our uh, our uh, meeting a week ago. That is true. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she was wearing her Dodgers shirt, and you were wearing your uh, your Mets shirt. And right. It came to blows, and she beat the crap out of you. Hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a very wimpy person. Yeah. Uh, all right, what are we doing? All right, we're going to talk about DVDs and Blu-rays. What? And uh, we so far have, uh, there's only two new movies this week. Uh, to talk about, and uh, then we're going to kind of dive into some uh, some TV and whatnot. But um, and Mark's going to be thrilled to tell us all about Don Rickles because it is like a Don Rickles fest this week. They, oh, they, that's they, the best kind of fest. A Don, Rickles, Don fest. Rickles fest. Uh, but a couple of new movies this week. Uh, we've got uh, I, I like them both actually. Testament of Youth with Alicia Vikander, who I really I'm starting to like a lot. I, I, I'm starting to realize how many movies I've seen her in and didn't realize it was the same person. She has that kind of melt into the scenery and into the context face that just it's like wow she's been in all this stuff and I didn't even realize it. Anyway, Testament of Youth and uh, with uh, Alicia Vikander and uh, Kit Harrington, very proper British uh, period legacy uh, historical Downton Abbey kind of a thing, uh, all based on Vera Britton's uh, autobiographical book about her experiences during the First World War, and uh, it's a very popular book. I had never heard of it because I don't really read; I just watch. And uh, it's wonderful. It's uh, you know a, a basically a woman's point of view of wartime, and uh, it's just it's exactly what you expect out of all that sort of classic proper British filmmaking. It's delightful. It's lovely. Testament of Youth, and it's a beautiful Blu-ray. Sony Pictures Classics. Um, I would love to know what the process is by which they do their Blu-rays because I do find that. Sony Classics Blu-rays seem to have a different mastering process from other Sony Blu-rays. There seems to be some different oversight, uh, and I'd like to—I'm going to investigate that and see what the uh, what the deal is there because this is just gorgeous. And uh, you know, by way of extras, deleted scenes, and a commentary with Kit Harrington and the director James Kent, who was a really a real comer, and uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff. Not much, but certainly worthwhile. A lot more extra features, stuff on the Wolf Pack. Our good friend uh, Amy Nicholson of the LA Weekly was a huge fan of this. Uh, Wolfpack is a, a Magnolia release. It is a uh, an interesting film that I liked very much, and it is. Uh, I'm trying to think of how you even begin to sort of explain this movie because this is a um, this is a very unusual documentary by Crystal Moselle. Uh, about a bunch of brothers who live in the Lower East Side and their entire lives are uh, organized around movies. I mean, they literally, they just live movies day in and day out. And um, it is essentially about how they uh, 
oh gosh, how how their family re- how the family structure reacts to a disruption in that in that illusory world. It's an unusual, fascinating film. Vice Media was and the Tribeca Film Institute were responsible for putting this together, and uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Beautiful on Blu-ray, and uh, tons of extras, uh, interviews, and making of stuff. And there's even a, a, a an interesting short film on here. Um, that they acted in the guys who are part of this wolf pack and uh, you even get their trip to Los Angeles it's a fascinating bunch of stuff very unusual movie I have something unusual Wade oh don't say it in your shirt there you go alright so we also have uh, what else do we have we have uh, Facts of Life Wade we have Facts of Life season oh, uh, 7 and the reason I mention this is because uh, uh, season seven, there was a very special guest star, and it is their only hope for selling more than seven copies of this DVD. Who was on the cover, Wade? A very uh, young-looking... Le- um, oh, my young looking, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. George Clooney. Yes. I forgot that he was on the show. A very young-looking George Clooney. In oh fact, they gosh. are so pumping this thing that they even have a shot of what looks like George Clooney, like, checking his script... Oh, that's so funny. Sitting on a couch with, uh, with the fat one, whatever her name was. You know, speaking of George Clooney, have you watched the... Uh, the you've seen the trailer for Hail Caesar. Oh, it's the greatest thing Oh, ever. my gosh. It's just so glorious. It's going to be awesome. It, it's already one of my favorite films of all time. I haven't even seen it. <laughs> it's just... I mean, truly. It's like, I look at that trailer and I just think, if this, if this movie actually is even a fraction of what the trailer suggested it is, it's, it's, it's the movie I've been waiting my whole life for. <laughs> It looks so funny. Um, I'm, I'm sort of hoping it's it's a little bit more of a main a mainstream Barton Fink, like a Barton Fink that yes. doesn't have to win the Palm Door. Right, exactly. It's just funny. It's just hilarious old Hollywood, just references left and right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Facts of Life season seven. George Clooney. Who cares? Honestly, um, in that trailer, huh? in that trailer, when Clooney is is doing his whole Caesar thing and he forgets his line, that look of panic on his face. With that wide-angle lens, which the the Coens always use for for those kinds of funny moments, is that it's a wide-angle close-up. That look of sheer panic and it, it just not knowing what to do is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, People do not give Clooney enough credit for being funny. That's true. He is funny. Uh, you know, it's not funny. Olympus, the legend will rise. Bill, uh, Olympus is a show that uh, it's this Canadian show. And we've talked about how Canadian shows are like sort of like the retarded brother of regular like American shows. Because they're just a little bit kind cheaper of, yeah. and it's not quite as good quality-wise yeah. as American shows. So this one is about uh, it's about Olympus. Can I tell you? It's uh, you know the gods living up at Olympus, doing their thing, doing their old Olympus god thing, and uh, it's the George. It's a, it, it, the main character of the movie is called Hero. Wade knows somebody. Yeah, I sure Hero. do. Yep, lumber to death. Exactly. And there's Medea, and uh, there's Daedalus, who, by the way, is played by Matt Frewer from uh, Max Headroom. If you don't know, ask your parents. Um, so this thing is uh, its fine. I don't know what to tell you. It's just, it's, it was 13 episodes. It's completely serviceable. Um, they, I don't know if they're bringing this back as the only thing, but uh, I have to say that uh, Shot Factory did a good job with it. There's a, a behind-the-scenes featurette, a couple of them on here. But, uh, yeah, if you love your uh, Olympus, go for this. Otherwise, uh, there's probably like a thousand other movies you could see that do it better. Wade uh, mentioned earlier Don Rickles because uh, Don Rickles is the subject of all sorts of crazy Time Life DVD releases this week. We have, uh, well, we have individual, individually, we have the Don Rickles TV specials volume one, and there is also volume two. This is uh, Rickles TV specials from, uh, man, it's from the 60s and 70s. This is just great stuff. These specials are uncut. There's a lot of um, special guest stars, and uh, the one... um, TV Specials Volume 1, 
includes Rickles receiving the TV Land Awards, le- uh, the uh, TV Land Awards Legend Award presented by Jimmy Kimmel. So Kimmel nice. was a big fan. Yeah. So guest stars on uh, TV specials Volume One include Don Adams from Get Smart, uh, Johnny Carson, Bob Newhart, Carol O'Connor, and uh, Harvey Corman from the Cal Burnett Show. And uh, you know he looks so young here too. You just you you know uh, uh, Don Rickles has looked about sixty years old for like forty years. So, uh, also, but he works it. it. It serves him well. That's the best. Uh, season two, CPO Sharky. I'd never liked this show, but uh, here's season two of CPO Sharky. This is from uh, 1976 through 1978, uh, 37 episodes. So, um, yep, uh, he's a uh, auto Sharky, a chief petty officer, and uh, he's crazy. He's he has oh, to hang out with all. That's what the... CPO stands for, chief petty officer. Okay. Oh, there you go. Now I know that. Now, uh, Time Life, they did a pretty uh, lame job putting. Um, CPO Sharky Season 1 and Season 2 together with the TV specials Volume 1 and Volume 2, boxing it up and calling it Mr. Warmth, Don Rickles' The Ultimate TV Collection. And uh, there are four TV specials, which there are, 37 episodes of CPO Sharky, which there are, bonus material and never-before-seen outtakes, which there are, but of course they're already in the... Yeah. It's not like they did something special for the box set. Yeah. So if you love Rickles, go for Mr. Warmth. I mean, you should just go for it anyway. I mean, how much more is this than just buying yeah. each of them individually? Just yeah. spend an extra 10 bucks and get all of them. Yeah. He's the, he's the, he's the rickliest. He's the, he's, you know what? He's I'm, starting, still, I'm still dying to see him live, and I don't think I will. I he, think you know, he, he, he plays Vegas. If he plays Vegas, you just got to go to Vegas. I, well, I mean, Have he, you he, ever been to Vegas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, I, I, I was at, a, at a film market at Vegas as a student rep when I was in film school for, uh, for Cinetex. And the I think the the one shot uh, American comedy festival that they had there, which was won by the tall guy, the Jeff Goldblum thing that uh, introduced Emma uh, Emma Thompson to us, where Jeff Goldblum and Emma Thompson have that insanely hilarious sex scene. You know, it's all is all about a musical production of The Elephant Man. You've seen it, right? The tall guy back in the day, sure. Yeah, by directed by Mel, uh, what's his name, who did the Radioland Murders and then his career tanked. Oh, not. Uh... Mel, uh, whatever his name was, yeah, Mel, that guy. Mel, yeah, not Mel, Mel Stewart from uh, no, uh, something else. Willy Wonka. We've forgotten. <laughs> Carry on. Anyway, Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown. This is uh, one of the uh, Charlie Brown specials. This is from 1980. This is kind of uh, sort of in the uh, Charlie Brown animated special heyday. And although it's not my favorite one, I still do like it. It's the uh, it's the gang going to uh, going to Europe. And what happens is they go to Europe. Here's what happens, Wade. They go to Europe, mm-hmm. and they all get kidnapped. Yes. And then Liam Neeson says, I have a very special set of skills. <laughs> and he goes to Europe, and he gets all the Charlie Brown kids back. You, you know, that would, be, that would be the greatest Charlie Brown movie ever. It's very, it's yeah. very, it's very dramatic. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they go to France and have a good time. So not my favorite Charlie Brown, but you know what? Uh, they should really put all – they should put all – they do have um, box sets of Charlie Brown specials. Mm-hmm. But they don't have box sets of like the classic key ones that everybody loves watching at holiday time. They I think do they're – I, th- I don't think they've taken the time to actually sit down and say, okay – we have, you know, because they have like the classic Charlie Browns from the '70s and from the '80s. They had a couple of those. They, they need to sit down and just stop releasing all of these weird. I mean, people are going crazy trying to figure out what Charlie Browns do I buy. They need to just go. Here is your complete big mama Charlie Brown box set of every Charlie Brown special ever made. And we're going to release this for the people who want to be completists, and then everybody else will create little sub boxes, and you can deal with those. But at least give us a sense of completism, because there are just too many of these things. It's getting very hard to track them. There's no consistency to them. A uh, couple uh, to wind out the television stuff here. 
is The Making of the Mob, uh, which is a an interesting docudrama series on AMC that is narrated by Ray Liotta that uh, is very History Channel-ish in many respects. Uh, but it's really good. It's, it, it, it gives you the entire... It's an eight-part series that goes completely into the history of organized crime in the United States, and it covers all the obligatory big figures, you know, from, uh, from uh, Bugsy Siegel and uh, Meyer Lansky and Al Capone, and I mean, on and on and on. You get all of them. And it is, it is, it is very well-researched. It is very well put together. Recreations are really, really good. Uh, it's... I mean, it's like, it's featured, it, you know, recreations sometimes in, in these things are, are very sort of thrown together. Not here. This is very cinematic. It is very impressive. And uh, a lot of great interviews here, to be honest. A lot of really amazing interviews. They grab just about everybody who is in any way I- Italian and has any kind of connection to the mob on either side. For everybody from, I mean, even like Frankie Valli is interviewed on this thing. Uh, Meyer Lansky's... Uh, the second is in here. Chaz Palminteri, Joe Mantegna, Rudy Giuliani. I mean, they get everybody in here. So uh, it's quite good, actually. And then uh, also from PBS on Blu-ray is The Widower, uh, which is uh, the story of Malcolm Webster. And if you don't know the story of Malcolm Webster, this is one of the creepiest uh, family dramas that you have you will ever, ever hear. Uh, it is... It, there's no way to sort of get into this. It is. It's about it, this guy. What this? Oh, geez. What this guy did. Anyway, um, it is. Uh, I don't want to call it a. It, it's a murder story. It's a murder story. But wow, it is. It is unbelievable. It's amazing that this. If this had been written as a fictional story, nobody would make it because nobody would believe it was true. It just. It's an. It's an amazing story. Anyway, great acting here. John Hanna is just is fantastic. Reese uh, Shearsmith is fantastic. Um, Sheridan Smith, also fantastic. A lot of great performances. Uh, really, really rock solid. Good stuff from uh, from ITV, the people who uh, who do Downton Abbey. All right, Mark, we have amazing documentaries this week. Amazing what? docs. Amazing docs. Let's start with Call Me Lucky, which actually yep. is an amazing doc. No joke. It's about uh, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, who, as you might know, has crafted a very interesting, uh, not always successful, but very admirable career as a very, very low-budget director. And here he goes to documentary roots. Uh, this is the story of a comedian named uh, Barry Crimmins. Now, Barry Crimmins was uh, pretty hot in the early 90s late 80s, early 90s, and he was very funny, very angry, very political. And, uh, you know, he. what happens is, I, I don't want to give away too much of this, I'll just give away a little bit of it, is that he was a guy who influenced a lot of comedians who came after him, and he was friends with Tom Kenny, who, of course, from National Lampoon, and uh, Bobcat, of course, himself. And uh, there's a lot of, and, uh, Sam Kinison, of course, and Andrew Dice Clay, but... Um, Crimmins was a little bit higher-minded than that. He was more political, but still very, very angry, and then... Around 1992, while on stage, he admits that he had once been the victim of, of, of abuse as a child. And at that point, the movie takes a, and his life, but the movie takes a very dark turn, and Crimmins' life goes completely 180, where he leaves stand-up, becomes an activist uh, against you know, abuse. It's always wild. It's, it's, just, it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. It's, it, it's, a, it's an amazing life. It had two very distinct acts, a little bit of overlap, but two very distinct acts that are both you know, admirable. Um, and Call Me Lucky is the story of Barry Crimmins, and this thing is great. He gets a lot. Um, uh, Goldthwait gets a lot of great interviews. You know, Margaret Cho and Pat Oswalt and uh, a bunch of other comics uh, to talk about Crimmins. Crimmins, of course, is still alive, so Crimmins is also in it. And there's a uh, 
commentary with Crimmins and Bobcat Goldthwait. So this is a very interesting story of an underappreciated comic whose life took a very tragic turn, and he really stepped up to the plate in terms of advocacy, and you really got to respect the guy. Uh, it's, it's just beautiful. It's called Call Me Lucky. Highly recommended. All right, and on the uh, the public television front, got some great stuff, really great stuff. Uh, starting with the the immortal, the unbelievable, the legendary, the Civil War, Ken Burns' great miniseries, which is still the the great Ken Burns accomplishment of all time. I mean, not, no disrespect to baseball and the other great stuff he's done, but the Civil War is considered his masterpiece and probably always will be. Well, that was the one that sort of like put him on the map. As yeah, that, he was just as, a, he as was that just name brand documentary. He was just another documentary, and until he decided to devote his life to doing the, the, the to this magnum opus that no one had ever done before. And it is huge, and they have fully restored it, and uh, it is sensational on Blu-ray. All 11 whopping hours of it, which are riveting. You could sit down and watch this thing in a single sitting and, and not lose interest. It is just completely gripping. And I think people, especially after Lincoln, the Spielberg film, feel probably a little closer to the history again. And uh, it comes with an, uh, a collector's booklet. And a new featurette uh, on uh, making the Civil War 25 years later, a little bit on restoring it, and some uh, an interview with uh, Shelby Foote, and it's just uh, it's amazing. It is really still amazing, and uh, it's I don't know that there will ever be a more definitive documentary about the Civil War. And then um, and and the restoration is just spectacular. I mean, it's beyond gorgeous. And then also from uh, PBS, we have Chasing Pluto, a historic journey to the edge of our solar system, which is a Nova uh, documentary essentially on this journey to Pluto that we are still getting amazing pictures from daily. I, you know, it's like suddenly Pluto's got an atmosphere and it has water, and apparently it's got resorts with big swimming pools and casinos. Really? And, and I, who knew, right? Wow. Uh, it's, uh, and I, I want this thing called a planet again. I, I'm, I've been, I know, I've been right? really mad ever since they demoted it to like a what do they what do they call it like a planetoid or a subplanet or like a like a like a child planet they they, they called it something stupid. It's a freaking planet. It's it got is. an atmosphere. It's got ice. It's got casinos. It's got like it's got pools and resorts. That's Damn it, it's a planet. That's right. You know what? And then when, when you fly by uh, Pluto, there's a big cas- or a casino. It says the word Trump on top. That's right. It's a Trump casino. That it guy, sure is. He gets around, doesn't he? He really does. He's going to be our next president. Wow. Uh, the uh, anyway, seriously, it's a great Nova. They 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 take you inside the mission, and those guys that do that stuff. My cousin works at JPL. He's, a, he's literally a rocket scientist, and I don't understand what he does, but boy, I'm impressed by them. And then speaking of Trump, uh, another one here is Drug Lord, the Legend of Shorty. This is all about uh, El Chapo. Uh, the the this is a frontline doc, and frontline, of course, is just I don't know how those guys crank this stuff out as much as they do, but uh, this is about Joaquin Guzman who is the guy, he just is freaking escaped again uh, from another maximum security prison with that gigantic, he went through the shower and down into through the piping, and then there was a motorcycle waiting for him, and he scoots out on the motorcycle, and then his son is taunting people on social media. And then Donald Trump, uh, you know, rips into him and rips into Mexico, and then he takes out a hundred, now he just took out a hundred million dollar uh, hit on Donald Trump for insulting Mexicans. Now, let's get this straight. A murderous drug dealer with the blood of thousands of people on his hands is upset that Donald Trump is giving his people a bad name? See? Well, See? I mean, it's, it's all subjective. It is. Kind of. 
anyway, it's just this guy's unbelievable. I mean, the ego is is out of control. It's just out of control, and it is it is a great frontline doc. I mean, this is a very easy thing to just run away with and do kind of a a, uh, a Geraldo deal on, you know, make it really sensational. But it's not. They really, really, really uh, get into the details. And, uh, and and look at how he became who he is, and how he ac- accumulated his wealth and his power, and and uh, it's pretty it's pretty intriguing. And they even talked to his mom, believe it or not. So fascinating, really fascinating. Drug Lord, The Legend of Shorty. Uh, you know what else is fascinating? Two documentaries. Uh, one is called Bad Kid Begins, which is this wonderful documentary about that uh, 2013 story you probably heard of about a, a kid recovering from leukemia who uh, who's uh, hooks up with the Make a Wish Foundation, and his wish is to be Batman. So. What, what, what started as just a dozen or so people trying to make a wish that this kid be Batman for the day wound up involving, like, thousands of people closing down San Francisco, getting permits, closing down streets, dressing up in costumes, pretending to be damsels in distress and other superheroes and other supervillains and people cheering as he ran down the street it was, it was in really a huge awesome. costume of this it Batmobile. Awesome. It became this whole huge thing, and Bad Kid Begins, and Julia Roberts awesome. put her name on this... Uh, to help uh, get the word out, Bad Kid Begins wound up being uh, just an amazing, amazing moment, and uh, it shows that uh, basically as a species, we're not entirely doomed. I mean, maybe a little bit doomed. Yep. I'm sure you know Donald Trump probably would not have allowed the uh, street permits well, to be approved. Well, it depends if you consider him a bat or a child. Exactly. He's both. Bad kid. Mm. Anyway, this is great stuff. So uh, Bad Kid Begins, very, Bad Kid Begins, very inspiring, a wonderful story, true story. Uh, as you know, the baseball playoffs are uh, underway. and uh, are, the we Met, have, are the Mets winning? Uh, uh, who are the Mets? I've never heard of them. Uh, we have a four-film collection, uh, baseball legends. I, I, I will say that uh, there are so many baseball specials and documentaries out there that I don't know if you need to necessarily buy this one, but I will say that it does uh, collect three of the immortals, Lou Gehrig, Hank Aaron, Ted Williams, and Babe Ruth, into one DVD set called Baseball Legends. So if you like baseball and maybe you've been resisting buying all the 10,000 other documentaries that are out there, this might be not a bad place to start because, again, it is Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Hank Aaron, and Lou Gehrig. But otherwise, if you already know these people, you won't really learn much more from this DVD. All right. Uh, A couple of dance documentaries from First Round Features. Uh, if If you are a fan of dance, especially dancing men, as Mark is... Mark loves to go to the ballet. I am a dancer. You know what what they say about uh, ballet? You can't get sleep like that at home. Uh, There you go. Well, Ballet Boys is uh, is actually a really, really good doc, really interesting look at uh, at ballet, essentially from the male point of view. Uh, Looks at three young dancers, and uh, it's a a little bit like, I don't want to call it hoop dreamsy, but it's kind of hoop dreamsy. So it, it sort of focuses on these guys over the course of uh, several years. Uh, this is actually a Norwegian doc, I should point out. So it is, it is in Norwegian. Uh, I want people to be fully aware of that. But it's, uh, it's actually quite good and uh, has the, a bunch of bonus shorts that are very good. And then even better, as far as I'm concerned, is PS Dance, which stands for Public School Dance. This is all about dance education in the uh, public school system and uh, why it is important. I don't think I ever attended a school that had a dance program, but uh, this is, you know, Paula Zahn uh, hosts this, and it's very, very persuasive. So uh, it makes you realize that, you know, by golly, every school probably should have a dance program. Did I just say by golly? 
Dagnabbit, yes, you did. I, wow. Odds, Bodkins, and Gadzooks. Tibetan Warrior is, uh, I, I find it very, very moving. I, the, the, the travails of Tibet are, uh, are incredibly sad, and they aren't really sufficiently talked about. And uh, this is one particular struggle um, captured in this documentary. It is the story of Loten Namling, who is a, uh, he's not even, you know, most of these things are about lamas and monks. This, he's not a monk, he's a musician. And he lives in Switzerland, and... Uh, he the, he is a fascinating figure, and it is all about his his particular approach to um, to protest for his uh, his homeland's freedom. Really interesting guy. Very good film. Tibetan warrior. Um, and let's see, Monument Men: The Road to Rushmore is a, a seven part documentary from Mill Creek, which is effectively all about Mount Rushmore, and it is uh, it's quite a story. There have been other documentaries on Mount Rushmore, including, I believe, an American Experience doc from some years ago that was on PBS. might have been a frontline, but I think it was an American Experience. It was very, very good. This does not transcend it, uh, but it is, it is, it's still absolutely wonderful, and uh, this gets into, you know, I mean, what an unbelievable accomplishment it was and I think we tend to look at that thing and just think that's you know Mount Rushmore is the product of some giant 3D printer uh, well, but like some guy yeah was there with a chisel yeah an immigrant yeah yeah an amazing story I mean it's it's great it's an amazing story and then Mateo uh, before I get to the last documentary which is absolutely awesome and Mark will concur uh, Mateo is uh, about the the first White mariachi singer. I hate mariachi music. And I know I you do. I, it's I, the worst. I, you know what? <laughs> I was at the Dodger game. The, I was at the Dodger Met game. Don't, don't talk mm-hmm. about it. It's a couple okay. of And uh, they had, before the game, they had a mariachi band. There is nothing worse than mariachi. First of all, it all sounds the same. Yeah. I don't like any particular type of art that I feel I can do myself. Yeah. Right? Mariachi music, I could write that myself. It's all mariachi music right there. Well, there it is. Let me tell you, this is a really interesting story. No, it's not. He is the first white mariachi. He's really good. I mean, he's really you know good. Why? You, know why? you know why he's the first white? Because he realized that this music is so simple. I can actually make myself a legend writing music that is so simplistic that like a baby could write it. Mark, yeah. famous Nathan. Famous Nathan of Coney Island. Yeah, I've not uh, eaten at Nathan's uh, in many, many years. Famous Nathan. This is much closer to Mark's, but uh, Mark's experience than oh, mine. It's terrific. But, you know what? Uh, Nathan Handwerker was a an, an immigrant from an Eastern European country that does not exist anymore. Where he comes from, it, 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 it it's no longer there. It's not a country anymore. I wait. Uh, it's somewhere over there, you know, kind of between Czechoslovakia and Hungary and Austria. It was this little country. See, he and comes it, and, from Hungary and he made hot dogs. And it va- it vanished somewhere around, you know, end of the First World War or whatever. But anyway, Nathan Handwerker um, immigrated to the United States with his wife, a poor immigrant who had no money, no nothing, and he started working uh, on Coney Island for a uh, for a hot dog vendor, and then eventually opened up his own competition across the way and by and dropped the price to five cents per hot dog, and we all know the story now. I mean, it's it's this legendary empire. And this is the story of uh, his grandson, uh, Lloyd Handwerker, started working on this in the 80s, started shooting stuff in the 1980s, and has now completed this documentary about his family's legendary rise and about how his dad and his uncle, when they inherited the business, effectively made a, made a hash of it. You know, it's like it's sort of the, end, the, all, the same story, right? Some great genius 
entrepreneur, poor immigrant, comes from some country, usually Jewish, and they build a mighty empire, and then they hand it over to their ingrate offspring, and they wind up feuding, the, feuding it into the ground. Uh, it didn't exactly happen like, here, like that here, but there's certainly a Shakespearean element to it, you know, a, a kind of a King Learish quality to the story. And it's a, it's a great story, and it's beautifully made. And even though it's told by someone of the family, what amazing... You know, Hanneverger, he integrated his staff at a time when nobody was doing that. He had Puerto Ricans and blacks and whites, and they were all working together because they were serving hot dogs a mile a minute. What an amazing story. It is true. And it reminds me of the uh, In-N-Out Burger story. In-N-Out Burger, yeah. which is a local chain here in California and a couple of the states out west, you know, In-N-Out Burger, which has been around for you know decades now and is, uh, is a huge uh, you know, local empire, it's run by like this 36-year-old woman because there's nobody else in the family to run it. So there's this like very no attractive, may I say, 36, 37-year-old woman who like was just thrust into having to own this legendary hamburger franchise. And, as, and I saw her interviewed because they're pretty reclusive. You don't get really to hear or see the family that owns in and out Burger very often, but they did do something on this woman who now runs the company. And you can tell that she's a little bit like, you know, I'm sure she'll do great, and it's in and out Burger. But you can tell that she was not born to run a hamburger empire. But that's just what was thrust upon her. She has no choice. And so she seems a, very sincere, but a little over her head. We'll see how she develops. Uh, but it reminds me of that. All right, Mark. It is time for uh, no. There's no no. It is time for me to blow through some anime. Oh, great! I'm gonna go to the bathroom. How much time do I have? How much time do you need? Yeah, you you give me. Uh, give well, me a, where, where's the uh, where's the where's the the pile? This is anime. I'm gonna. It, it, a lot of this is just. Oh, that's it, like three minutes. A lot of this is just mentions. That's like three minutes. It's good mentions. Give me three minutes. Hang on. Yep. With the count. Three minutes. Down. I might need. I might need five. Five. I might need five. Governor. All right, three, two, one. All right, if you're a fan of Space Dandy, all that rockabilly uh, anime with the cool artwork from the Cowboy Bebop people, we got season two out here from Funimation in a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. It is such cool animation. I can't say I love the, the stories too much, but it's great animation. Even better animation, Full Metal Alchemist, which is now out in a complete series on Blu-ray. Um, Full Metal Alchemist is, you know, more of that kind of cyberpunky stuff, but man, it is really gorgeous looking. Again, I, I don't know that I want to watch a whole series or a, a whole season, but it is gorgeous looking. Uh, we also have Noragami. Uh, Noragami, this is the complete first season of, a, of what appears to be a very, very interesting series, uh, which is uh, more of this youth oriented anime, uh, kind of slacker kids and. Uh, you know the, uh, the 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 world that they inhabit, and it's usually very very specific to Japan. But um, it uh, when the supernatural stuff kicks in, that's when it gets relatively interesting. If you're not really into that, um, Appleseed has had a, a live action version, which is quite impressive. And uh, now we get the Blu-ray Appleseed from the Sente Select series, which is it's you know it's le- it's legendary uh, anime. It's still really state-of-the-art. It's still really cool. And uh, I think, you know, for people who like the giant robot stuff, all that Transformery stuff, it's still uh, state-of-the-art. still looks really good. Uh, in that same vein is uh, Pat Labor, the movie 3. Uh, you know, whatever number WX3, whatever that is, WX3, uh, Pat Labor, the movie 3. 
There it is. Uh, that is from uh, Made in Japan. And that's uh, not quite so great animation, but Pat Labor has an obvious following, so there you go. Uh, Vampire Hunter D from Sente Filmworks is uh, now out on Blu-ray. This is the original remastered Vampire Hunter D. There are a bunch of variations on it, but this is it. This is the original. It is great. It is creepy. It is classic anime. And uh, if you're an anime fan, you should definitely have that one in your shelf. Uh, Brynhildr. Here are a few. If you're, if you're into the whole female thing, the whole kind of eccentric uh, female crew doing whatever stuff. There's, this is a kind of very fetishistic. There are a number of these, and uh, one of these is Brynhildr in the Darkness. This is the complete collection, uh, 13 episodes. We also have uh, Kamigami no Asobi, the complete collection. That is super cool animation. And then uh, Selector Infected Wick Sauce in a Blu-ray DVD combo set. A few more things here before I wrap this out. Uh, 009 Re-Cyborg Blu-ray and DVD combo set from Funimation. Uh, This is from the the director who did uh, Ghost in the Shell, the standalone complex. So as a result, it is equally confusing and equally as impressive visually. Uh, Very nicely transferred. All the Funimation stuff is really, really great. Uh, uh, Nobunaga the Fool, also great animation. This is is kind of... uh, that uh, supernatural, cyberpunky, sci-fi, retro, shogun-era uh, thing that happens whenever Japan decides to try to, to stitch its past and its future together in, uh, in these genre-splicing series. It is uh, incomprehensible, but uh, really, really nicely done. That uh, quirky schoolgirl thing, more fetishistic stuff, but on kind of skewing much more bubblegum, is the complete collection of uh, Sabagebu, Survival Game Club, and uh, the comic artist and his assistants, which has, this is the complete collection, which basically tells you who they're aiming for when you have four small girls with different colored hair in bikinis on the cover. Uh, That is a very, very specific audience that they're aiming for, and I am not among them. Uh, some of the best animation that I've seen in a very long time is in Arise, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, this, is, this is also from Funimation, a fantastic Blu-ray set that includes um, uh, Border 3 Ghost Tears and Border 4 Ghost Stands Alone. Um, the, 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 the Ghost in the Shell animation still don't get the whole world, but the Ghost in the Shell animation continues to be really, really state-of-the-art and really advanced. Uh, we have new installments of both Fairy Tale, uh, number 17 in a Blu-ray and DVD uh, combo set. That's Fairy Tale, T-A-I-L. And uh, One Piece, Season 7, Voyage 2, which it borrows very heavily from uh, kind of 60s and 70s animation, uh, anime stylings. These both have uh, popular followings, and they continue to be uh, really, really, uh, you know, huge, huge anime uh, uh, properties, uh, Mark. How much time do I have left? I don't know. My phone's over there. Is it gonna? Is it gonna? Will there we go? It's done. All right. So that finished me off. Um, I think. You know what? Let me let me just hit one more here. Actually, what? Two more. That is against the rules, Wade. I got two more here, real quickly. Just want to make mention real quickly. Um, Inari Kankan. Inari Kankan. Uh, Blu-ray DVD combo set. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. I, again, this is in that youth thing. 
the uh, anything that's the, the Japanese anime stuff that deals with like middle school kids and uh, high school kids and all their problems and I, I tend to sort of not really connect to that because a lot of it is an outgrowth of just you know the disenfranchised youth culture in Japan so you, you, I usually check it out and say does it, does it at least look cool because I'm not going to try to follow the stories but this actually is a little bit engaging um, it's, got, it's almost like a Japanese John Hughes thing and then um, you know, of course, the then you get the supernatural thing and everything gets a little weird. But actually, not bad. Really not bad at all. And then the last one I was going to mention is uh, Tokyo Ghoul, complete first season. Uh, we're getting into a very, very creepy area here. This is from a director named Shuhei Morita, who did a uh, an Oscar-nominated short film uh, some years ago and uh, apparently now is is able to do some pretty impressive television. Anyway, uh, this is almost this is kind of almost over the edge. It's basically about a cannibalistic uh, creature. It's almost like a cross between Dexter and M in anime form. But I kind of I kind of I kind of dug it. I sort of dug it. It's it, it's real edgy and very interesting. So that's a Blu-ray DVD combo pack uh, again from Funimation, who just keeps doing really really great stuff. It's fun and it's animation. That's right. That is uh, oh, hence the name Funimation. All right, so um, we got uh, classic movies now. We're going to tie up the show with our uh, classic movie coverage. Wait, why, why, are you, why are you handing me the mod squad and saying we're, we're finishing up the classic movie coverage? Well, because that's, it's out, and maybe somebody likes the mod squad. It's not well, classic. I, I agree. I admit it. Yeah, fine. Mod squad, not classic, but, you know. Well, mod squad, uh, this is from 1999. I remember mod squad as being one of the first, obviously not remotely the first, but one of the first movies where like, I felt like the shows of my childhood Although Mod Squad was a little early for me, but I felt like the shows of my childhood were now being rebooted with like these hot young kids. Correct. You know, it really started the really on the wave of that, and it's got a great cast. It's got Claire Danes. I always love Claire Danes. These are all these are all Olive releases, by the way. Olive licensed all this stuff to get it out there. So I mean, you know, it's worth mentioning. And and, I've, and I've, I do love Giovanni Ribisi. I, I wish he had won six Oscars already, but he has not. But uh, the problem with the Mod Squad is that uh, it sucks. It was not a good yeah. movie. It did not. Uh, it did not result in any sequels, which I'm sure they desperately thought would happen. And uh, this thing is just. It's just so robotic. It's just not even. It feels like it's just exploiting kids who want to go spend money on movies with like a bunch of nothing. Um, anyway, very disjointed. Not very funny. Um, and uh, it's just—it's almost like condescending. Like they, they all wear sunglasses and look cool while explosions going on behind them. It just—it's almost insulting to that audience, if you ask me. Juice um, is Wild uh, has an interesting cast for its time. Frankie Muniz, Muniz—I can never say that kid's name. Muniz. Frankie Muniz, who just drives cars now. Perusa Balk, Stephen Dorff, Brad Renfro. Vincent Pastore, Balthazar Getty, Dre Matteo. This is from 2002, set in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I have to say that uh, it's got that whole little, you know, that whole not late 50s Brooklyn, New York thing when everyone's walking around in their T-shirts and their jeans and mm. they, get, they got their cigarettes wrapped, they got the pack of oh, cigarettes pack wrapped the, up in the, their the T-shirt, sleeve, t-shirt yeah. sleeve. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's definitely got some stuff there. It was, uh, it was shot by John Alonzo, who, of course, uh, shot Chinatown. So it looks nice. And also has a Stuart Copeland score. And Stuart Copeland, uh, the drummer for the Police, had a had a kind of a run of interesting uh, film scores. This uh, was uh, one of them. So uh, you know, it's it's interesting stuff, I guess. It's got it's, it's got a couple good scenes. It's, again, it's really well shot. It's got a great cast for that time. Uh, I don't know. I think it wants to be 
like a Goodfellas type thing, but uh, you know, it's just as not. Yeah. Uh, a couple more. We have a Fatal Instinct. Fatal Instinct uh, was a spoof directed by Carl Reiner of the whole uh, you know Joe Esterhouse thing. It uh, makes fun Fatal Attraction, Double Indemnity. Just like the Zucker Brothers films, these things are hit and miss. Uh, there's like there's three jokes a minute. Uh, sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're not. I found Fatal Instinct okay. It does not hold up even remotely to the Zucker Brothers films. Uh, the best of the Zucker Brothers, this one was just fine. I mean, Carl Reiner, who, by the way, is still around, um, there's, he does an audio commentary for this film, has a trailer. Um, so if you like comedies, got Sean Young, Kate Nelligan, who was big in the 80s, Sherilyn Finn, who was I also big Kate in the Nelligan. 80s. I remember Kate Nelligan. I know. Yeah. And Armand DeSante. It's okay. Antitrust with uh, Ryan Phillippe and Rachel Lee Cook, Claire Forlani. What happened to Claire Forlani? And uh, Tim Robbins, directed by Peter Howitt. You know, it's all about tech programmers, and uh, they're going to work with some tech corporation. And I think at the time, 2001, when the Internet was first kind of really taking off, they did a bunch of these sorts of movies that were, like, taking advantage of the whole tech thing, the whole Internet thing. And uh, they're just really these kind of lame, watered-down thrillers that don't even, don't even hold up now that we know what the Internet has become. Um, so there you go. So the, the whole idea, Wade, what is Nerve? N-U-R-V. Nerve. It's a tech corporation. It's called oh. Nerve. That seems so cool in 2001. <laughs> Today, it's the stupidest thing in the whole goddamn world. All righty. Um, we got some stuff from Warner Brothers and from uh, Film Chest, or Film Detective. I'm sorry, Film Detective here. Um, Film Detective has had these these Blu-rays promised for quite some time. They had, they, they had licensed these titles a while back, and we were, we've been waiting for a lot of these Blu-rays. And uh, these are because a lot of these are movies that have just never been on Blu-ray before, and it's really cool to have them. These are uh, from their Restored Classics uh, line, Film, de- de- film Detective, uh, The Film Detective Archive, Restored Classics. And we start with the uh, Paul Henry film uh, directed by Steve Seckley, uh, Hollow Triumph, which is kind of a sort of a cool underrated noir and uh, looks really cool on Blu-ray. They did a really good job of restoring it. Um, and we also get the uh, John Huston film Beat the Devil, which is, looks a little bit less good. I think the elements are more to blame here. You know what? I, I have to tell you, I, I've tried to watch this on Netflix. Yeah. It looks terrible. Yeah. Now, the Netflix, whatever print Netflix well, used looks terrible. I think it may be the same one. It's, 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 it, uh, somebody needs to find the original elements and clean them up. I'm willing to cut, them, to cut them a little bit of slack because the Blu-ray resolution really helps. But the elements are not. It's it's very bleached out. Is that was that your experience on Netflix? It's very bleached pale. out and a, a, a print damage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some of that here. So I may it may or may not be the same one. Uh, the one I was happy to have here is uh, Salt of the Earth, which is you know a legendary oh, band yeah. movie. Uh, could look better as well on Blu-ray. Should look better. I think there there was a special edition DVD that actually, believe it or not, looks better. Uh, but Salt of the Earth still uh, still looks decent. And uh, it's on Blu-ray, you know, if nothing else. If you want to have a Blu-ray of it, uh, there it is. But, I mean, this film was, uh, this has been kind of a, a cult band um, scandal film for decades. And it sort of still is. And a lot of people have been looking for this on Blu-ray specifically. It's great. So. I, actually had the, I actually had the great pleasure of interviewing the, uh, the makers of this film. Oh, really? Yes. I was working, believe it or not, I was working at E! Entertainment Television at the time. This is a long time ago. Now they would never do anything remotely like this. But... Um, I was offered the chance to go on a shoot with uh, the, the the one of the st- uh, stars and the uh, the uh, not the director because he had passed away. A couple of the stars of Salt of the Earth, which is like the all blacklisted film. Yeah, it's the all time. Yeah, it is. It is that film, the film that really and, and it really doesn't deserve to be, to be honest. 
when you look at it in hindsight, you're like, really? Somebody? I mean, this is. Well, it was all with, like it was all made by blacklisted yeah. folks. Yeah. And it was amazing because you know because they talked a lot about the McCarthy hearings yeah. and a lot about what happened to their career once they were blacklisted, and uh, it was just That's a good. terrible time in American history. And they all came together to make this film, Salt of the Earth. And uh, yeah. So uh, a bunch of bunch of Warner Brothers stuff, uh, mainly from the Paramount Library, all uh, new on Blu-ray. Now the first one is specifically a Warner Brothers film. Uh, Matchstick Man, directed by Ridley Scott, who's having a resurgence with The Martian, as we have noted. Uh, this is a con movie starring Nicolas Cage and Sam Rockwell and uh, Alison Lohman. Uh, the problem that I have with this film is that, like all movies about cons, it's easy to figure out. You just basically assume that everyone is lying and uh, you're, you're inside the movie. And they all work this way. Uh, that recent Will Smith thing, same deal. The, uh, you know, uh, what was the, the, the Argentine film? Uh, seven Spades, Seven... Oh, what? Seven Psychopaths. No, no, not Seven Psychopaths. The Argentine film. It's like uh, what, what, Seven... Seven Argentinians? Diamonds, Queen seven of Diamonds. Seven Soccer Games? I don't know, whatever it was. Anyway, it's the same deal. They're all the same. Uh, and House of Games is sort of the one that started this genre. But House oh, of Games... House of Games is the best. But House, see, House of Games does it right. It's a, it, there's something different about House of Games. It's not all about figuring out the con. It's about the, 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 the psychological dynamics involved, and it's great. That needs to be on Blu-ray. It should be. It should, it, should, it should get a Criterion release is what it should have. Oh, that'd be awesome. So here are the ones that matter. Uh, first off, Clint Eastwood in Escape from Alcatraz, finally out on Blu-ray, uh, because Paramount decided they really want nothing to do with this movie, so they uh, threw it over to Warner Brothers, and uh, there we go. So Warner Brothers is getting the, to release all of this Paramount library stuff that Paramount appears to, appears to not care about. Escape from Alcatraz, true story. Uh, directed by Don Siegel, long time, you know, the same Don Siegel that did all of Eastwood's stu- really great stuff, including Dirty Harry. And um, this is a cool film. This is a really cool film. I, I think it's a great story, and uh, Eastwood is great in it. Uh, also, the aforementioned Team America is finally out on Blu-ray because oh! for some reason Paramount doesn't see any use in doing a special edition of this themselves. I have the best Blu-ray of South Yours of, uh, is Team better. America ever. Yours is better. sent in by a link. The transfer, the transfer quality on yours is better. Thank no, you, Axel. No, it doesn't Axel. matter. Thank it, you, Axel. It, what matters is, is that Axel sent it to me. Yes. So it doesn't matter if it's the worst transfer ever. Yes. It, it means, he was it, thinking it of means you. more because it was sent by a listener. I'm just saying. One of our beloved listeners. Yours is better quality. Axel Peronio. But that being said, it is finally out on Blu-ray, and it's acceptably good. It's just not amazing. And, and there are no extras. I mean, it's like, load this thing up, man. This is one of the funniest movies ever made. Come on, go to town. I, I named it one of the best, especially one right of the best now. films of the, of the uh, 2000s. It's like so timely right now, almost more than ever. Come on, give it up. I know. Anyway, yes. and then this one's really disappointing. I'm thrilled that Witness is out on Blu-ray. I am desperately sad that they just kind of blew it out, that they just sort of threw it out there, and you can tell it needs a better transfer. It really needs it. This deserves a special edition, a remaster, a Criterion release. I mean, this is a legendarily important film. Oh, yeah. And it's a great Harrison Ford film. It's a great Peter Weir film. Great script. It's got an unbelievable script and an amazing score by Maurice Jarre. The barn raising is just one of those great moments in movie history. And I'm just so sad that they just kind of, you know, crapped this out there and didn't really give it the treatment that it deserves. It really deserves a better Blu-ray. I'm thrilled the Blu-ray is out, but it, it should be better. It really should be better. They so. still teach that script in, in school in terms, of, in terms of structure, tight it's an amazing, structure. It's an amazing script. It's amazing. All right, and we got some from Kino. Kino? Uh, Kino, Here the Kino Studio Classic. Well, you do those, I'll do these. Okay, Burt Reynolds uh, in Malone. Burt Reynolds, by the way, still around. We love Burt Reynolds. 
And uh, it's directed by a guy named Harley Cockless. Um, I don't uh, know who he is, what he has done since this or before this, but all I know is his name is Cockless. <laughs> and God, you know I, what? I was not going to bite on that. You know, but you were not going to bite on Cockless? You can't bite on Cockless, way because that's just not going to happen. I know. Anyway, this we is We can do this all night. <laughs> um, we, we, we can bite on Cockless all night, Wade. Yes. Anyway, this is uh, back during uh, uh, Burt Reynolds' kind of, you know, lame B-movie heyday. You know, I mean, these movies would be B-movies now, but at the time, they were like kind of major, mini-major releases. They were all named after the character. It was, it was like uh, Malone, Stock, <laughs> Grunt, you know. <laughs> black. Black. Buv. Nyaj. Giz. Cliff Robinson's in this? Anyway, this is terrible. Uh, Company Business with... Uh, this is a weird little movie. This was uh, directed by Nicholas Meyer, who, of course, went on to direct Star Trek II. Um, this is a weird little movie because it is a... Uh, it's sort of a two-hander starring Gene Hackman and Mikhail Baryshnikov. So it's a spy mm-hmm. movie, and Hackman plays an ex dance movie. And a dance movie. And it... It has a pretty cool uh, climax that takes place uh, um, on top of the Eiffel Tower. Um, so, yeah, so it's really not a bad movie. It's just kind of a curious movie because the pairing is so odd. But um, And also it's, a l- it's not dated because the Russians are kind of bad guys again, but this was back during the super cold war when, you know, everything, every movie that took place in Russia or involved Russians was, you know, kind of like cool and dangerous. But uh, there you go, company business. Wolfgang Peterson, uh, during his uh, down years, did movies like Shattered, mm-hmm. with Tom Berenger, Greta Scotchy. What happened to her? You know what? I'm going to tell you something about Shattered. Shattered you don't like this movie. is There's an no absolutely horrendous movie. It is a terrible movie in every conceivable way. It is just one of the worst films you have ever seen, but it has what might be one of the two or three best endings of any movie in history. Is this the movie movie where you say it's the best ending ever and it's on the Blu-ray? What was that movie? Oh, no, 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 no. That's uh, where... Uh, I, I, the Beholder? I, the Beholder is the one that I gave five stars to and then they changed the ending, yeah. Yeah, No, no, this uh, Shattered, I remember watching this and I think I had to review it as well. And I did review it. Yeah, I did review it. And I reviewed that for uh, either Entertainment Today or Box Office. But I I, I remember sitting there thinking, this movie is such junk. I can't believe I'm sitting here wasting my time. Whoa, you did not do that! And and I was just floored. It, It is such an amazing ending. So... It's a terrible movie, but I gotta be, I gotta tell you, it's worth sitting through just for the ending. It is worth it. It is. Um, we're not gonna do that, Wade. I know. That's not an option really for us to watch the movie. Just get to the ending. Anyway, Modern Girls. Uh, this is kind of a lame little comedy from the late '80s, I believe. And this is a story about uh, three uh, hot chicks, two of which are Cynthia Gibb and Virginia Madsen. Daphne Zuniga's in this too, and uh, they go on a crazy uh, night of, uh, of rock and roll. Drinking and meeting dudes in L.A. Sort of like After Hours, I guess. But, uh, you know, this movie is, uh, I, you know, I, I guess it might be like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off type, maybe double feature, although Ferris Bueller is much better. But uh, this movie does not have a brain in its head. It's cheesy, and the, the, the hair looks ridiculous, and the acting is ridiculous, and the story is ridiculous. And uh, this, this movie, directed by Jerry Kramer, needs to get more and more just outrageous. Just They just, they just end it. They're just going deeper and deeper into just the dark underbelly of L.A., but in the end, it's just lame. Good music, though. Jesus, oh, Jesus, yes. Including Jesus and Mary Jane. Uh, Slam Dance with uh, Tom Hulse, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, and Virginia Madsen. 
that was a movie that came out. Wayne Wang directed that, which is a little odd. Seems not, not very yeah, Wayne Wangy. Wayne Wang has it did some odd things now and again. Now, if if now let's just say that Wayne Wang was gay, and let's say that the director of the oh, Burt Reynolds the, was the, also we're, gay. We're, we're working blue, aren't His we? His name would be Wayne Wang Cockless, because that would be just damn funny. We're gonna get emails. I wish. Great. You know what? <laughs> if, if people hate us, they, they care a lot more than if they like us. It's true. Like that, it was, it's that Howard Stern thing where like they, they did that yeah. study where like mm-hmm. people who like Howard Stern will listen to him like for half an hour at a time. People who hate Howard Stern will listen to him for like an hour at a time. So wait, any publicity in 2015 is good publicity. Is good publicity. Yes, okay. All right. I anyway, uh, this film, as I remembered, was uh, notable because Adam Ant was in it. And uh, Adam Ant, uh, uh, the rocker, uh, is pretty good. All right. So here I go. Uh, I'm going to blow through some more here. Uh, a couple more from uh, the Warner Brothers Paramount thing. Uh, one from Warner, one from Warner by way of Paramount. Kiss the Girls, uh, which was kind of a, a low-grade-ish uh, uh Silence of the Lambs-ish thing, another silent uh, serial killer thing that Gary Flater directed. Along Came a Spider was the sequel, which was not as good. Uh, you know, this was back when Morgan Freeman was doing just about anything, as opposed to now when he literally will do anything. Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd. Uh, pretty easy movie to figure out, I have to be honest with you. Uh, but still respectably done. Gary Flater, good director, who primarily works in, uh, in television now. Uh, so that's on Blu-ray. 15 Minutes, also on Blu-ray, with Robert De Niro and Edward Burns. Um, pretty generic cop thing, uh, but you know, directed, written and directed by John Hertzfeld. But they're both good in it. Uh, they're not, you know, it, it's it's. If you like them, you'll be fine with it. This was one of those final New Line films before New Line was effectively uh, folded into Warner Brothers, which means it was just kind of burned to the ground. And um, the return of Count Yorga. This is from Scream Factory, division of Shout Factory. Uh, the, if you know the Count Yorga thing, the, you just know what this is. It's, it's all rather silly, and it's rather... Um, it's kind of really badly dated, but for some reason, you know, it still has a bit of a following. These were some of the uh, later stage, uh, early 70s era American International Picture AIP Horror films kind of meant to compete on a lower level with uh, the Hammer stuff. Doesn't really, but you know what? You got some interesting people in here. Young, very young Craig T. Nelson and uh, Marriott Hartley, who we always love from Star Trek, and uh, you know those uh, the, the the Polaroid commercials. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, oh, you time remember to go that? to YouTube, watch shows again. There you go. Marriott Hartley when she uh, kissed Spock in the cave. Uh, that was like that. that was one of the first uh, ones where Spock uh, was um, had emotion. Had a, had, a, had had a little bit of a romance had, thing going. He had uh, gone back yeah. to his uh, Vulcan uh, yeah. Neanderthal roots. Yeah, absolutely. And then a couple of silent classics from Kino: uh, G.W. Pabst's Diary of a Lost Girl, which is clearly a pre-code thing. Uh, it is, of course, a German film, so they're not dealing with the American code. But man, what a great story! Louise Brooks. Uh, stars and it's just you know her based essentially based on one of those uh, famous novels uh, about and there are tons of them you know from Victorian era and before about women who just take a wrong turn in life and next thing you know they're just you know they're being raped they're whores they're in brothels they're being sold into into slavery whatever it's just you know the, the horrible turn that one mistake will make in a woman's life and uh, this is one of those, uh, but it's still good. It's really good because Louise Brooks is an amazing actress. And uh, this is from 1929. 
very, very nicely done. Uh, the, uh, the intertitles are the original German intertitles, so there's English subtitling for the intertitles, just so that people know that. But it's, a, it's really a beautiful, beautiful uh, transfer. Kino did a great job. And then also, uh, even better, is Lon Chaney in The Amazing Phantom of the Opera, a two-disc Blu-ray, which, you know, I, don't, I shouldn't need to say anything about this. It's got all the great stuff in it. The alternate 1925 release, uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, screenplays here, the original trailer, there's an interview with the, with the uh, composer. Um, really just first rate all the way across. So ev- this, is, this is your final version that you will ever need to have of the original uh, silent Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera. Really, really great. Wait, <coughs> wait. My, I lost wow, my voice you had for a, a second. Uh, what was that? You had a toad in your throat. Really? Yeah. Uh, so you know what's not really great? I, I feel we need to end the show with this one. So you do whatever you have to do, and then we'll end the show with this one. Well, I thought we should end the show with this one. No, we're going to end the show no. with this one. Okay, well then, why don't I do this? Why don't I... Why don't I just go quickly through the, the Warner Archive titles? Uh, all, these are DVD-Rs. They're manufacturer on demand, MOD, Neil Simon's Plaza Suite, Walter Matthau, Irrepressibly Funny. That is out again. Uh, produced by Howard Koch, uh, written by uh, Neil Simon. There's a, there's, a, there's a theme here, Howard Koch, right? There's a theme. Uh, Maurice Jarre, great score, fun movie. Directed by Arthur Hiller, a man with hair that will not quit. Uh, Twice Upon a Time, uh, you know, this was just a mess of an animated film. It just felt like George Lucas decided to try to uh, do really a bad animated version of something that that Rankin Bass would never have wanted to touch. Anyway, Twice Upon a Time, total misfire, uh, but it's a weird thing. It's a weird, a weird off Lucas thing in, that he was doing after Star Wars was making him rich and he got bored and he decided to produce this. Directed by John Cordy, who never really had a career thereafter. It's a curio, as they say. Uh, the beginning or the end, uh, Sweet Noir from uh, MGM. Uh, really an incredibly underrated film. Uh, directed by Norman Tarog, who would, of course, do many, many great comedies, including some Jerry Lewis stuff. Uh, this is uh, essentially, it is kind of a noirish look at the development of the atomic bomb, and I think it's really good. I think it dates really, really well, and uh, I like it. I think it's a good film. Um, K. Francis in Confession, which, uh, if you don't, K. Francis is kind of faded from the... Uh, our, our, our conversation a little bit, but uh, it, she's worth rediscovering. This is a, an, a really solid drama with uh, great supporting performances and a, and a wonderful lead performance with Kay Francis, who does a really, really good job. Good, good kind of family drama, troubled uh, relationship stuff, uh, and a, a, a really good screenplay by Hans Rameau, which was adapted into English by Julius Epstein, which I think is an interesting credit. And then uh, volume one of the Jeanette McDonald Nelson Eddy collection. They made a million musicals together, and they're all kind of the same, and they both had lovely voices, and my mother could not get enough of the two of these. I never really got the appeal, but man, it captured audiences at a certain point in time. Uh, so you get uh, four films here, Naughty Marietta, Rosemarie, Maytime, and The Girl of the Golden West. If you're a Jeanette McDonald Nelson Eddy fan and you've been wondering where their movies are on DVD or Blu-ray, they are finally out courtesy of the Warner Archive Collection, and this is Volume 1. There is more where that came from. And then I, before I turn this over to Mark for our, our final uh, title, I'm going to give you our penultimate title, which is The Amazing, The Wonderful, The Great Murder My Sweet, which uh, gets the Warner Archive uh, Blu-ray treatment. 
This is an Eddie Dimitrick film. Eddie Dimitrick made lots of really, really great, great noirs, and this is easily one of his best, if not hit the very best that he made. Uh, Otto Kruger, uh, Claire Trevor, and the amazing Dick Powell. Just they, they just kill it in this amazing adaptation of the Ray, Raymond Chandler novel. Uh, this is absolutely first rate. Eddie Dimitrick just nails it. It is this is as good as noir ever gets, and it is gorgeous on Blu-ray. Wait, you know it's not gorgeous on Blu-ray or DVD or 8-track cassette or VHS? I have no idea, Mark. Mano's Hands of Fate. (laughs) Mano's Hands of Fate. Finally on Blu-ray. Is directed, the only film ever directed by Texas fertilizer salesman Harold Warren. There's there's an apocryphal story about how this got made. I guess that um, Warren, I don't know if this is true or not, but Warren was, uh, had a walk-on on the show Route 66, Route 66 uh, was mm-hmm. co-created by Sterling uh, Silfan. And so, uh, supposedly, Warren got into a conversation with Sterling Silfan and, right. said, and made a bet where Warren said, anybody could write a horror film. They're so easy to write. Yeah. So Sterling said, well, one of those legendary, write one. One of those legendary bets. Well, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, he did write one, and he wrote the worst one ever made. And this movie is just filled with... But it's legend. It's a, it's it's a cult the film. It is. It's, it's the like best. The Room or Plan 9. It, it's, it, it's, it's right there in that, in that league. Absolutely, 100%. It's yeah. very much like The Room or Plan 9. Yeah. You know what? There's just continuity errors everywhere. Horrible performances. <laughs> Scenes are like, why are they making out? Who are they? What are they just doing? Why are they not coming back ever? What's the deal? <laughs> and uh, it's just great. And the movie is really most notable, obviously, as you know, from its treatment on Mystery Science Theater 3000. In fact, that was kind of the one that... That, that resurrected them, it, yeah. Got them a little over the hump in terms of uh, recognition. It, well, it took it out of the cult world. It took it out of the world of conventions and uh, midnight movies, and, and it sort of put it into the mainstream a little bit. So the thing is that this is the actual Manos Hands of Fate. Without heads in the way and talking and... That's jokes, right. Yeah. There's no audio commentary with uh, some of the surviving uh, cast members... And uh, there's a couple of funny, there's a funny featurette about uh, about the uh, hand called the felt, the hand puppets of fate. <laughs> that movie is like you know, hand puppets, hand puppet form. Um, and yeah, so it's it's a, it's a 2K re- restoration. This is a very low budget film. It was made for about twenty thousand dollars at the time. So don't expect much in terms of uh, beautiful picture. But uh, yeah, Mano's Hands of Fate. This is a great uh, potential Halloween. Put it on totally. the loop at Halloween. There it is. And enjoy the horrible goodness of Manos. All right. And with that, we are out. We will see you next week for our Halloween show.